Take a walk with me now. A fantastic trip down memory lane, a place where entertainment and enlightenment meet. This week's broadcast of a show that we called Hitting the Mark will feature Jeffrey Mark's Memories of Bewitched. My name is Ray Carr, along with Sydney Verbalin, and the star of our show, the man who never misses the bullseye, the amazing Jeffrey Mark. And I don't even know how to shoot a gun. It's amazing that I'm here. Hey, everybody. <laughs> So, yeah, this is an exciting show for me. For many, many years, Bill Asher, William Asher, the director, main director of Bewitched, one of its producers, and really and truly the co-creator of the show. And we were very close friends. And through the years, I've gotten to know many of the people associated with the show, many of the actors, or their spouses, or their girlfriends or boyfriends. I've got so many stories to tell here. So sit back and relax, twitch your nose, have a twitcher teeny and relax because kids, this time it's all about magic. So put on your magic hats and let's go back in time to right around the time before President Kennedy got assassinated. There was this wonderful Broadway show about Molly Brown, the unsinkable Molly Brown, starred a British import named Tammy Grimes. The show made her a huge hit in this country, in the United States. And she wanted to stay here. And she wanted to make money. And she wanted to be on television. To that end, a pilot script was put together by Saul Sachs. And it is, although everybody denies it, a kind of a ripoff of the film and play Bell, Book, and Candle. What happens when a nice, normal guy falls in love with a woman who is a practicing witch and her crazy friends? It was a good script. And this is where we begin the strange legalities of Bewitched. It is a good script. It is entered to the Writers Guild as the pilot of a show called Bewitched. Tammy Grimes passed on it. They offered her another show called the Tammy Grimes Show instead. And in fact, Dick Sargent, who would later play one of the Darrens, was her co-star on the Tammy Grimes Show. Do you see how it gets fascinating right from the beginning? Well, at this moment, and if you've listened to our previous shows, you've heard that William Asher, genius director of I Love Lucy, of the Diner Shore Chevy show, of Shirley Temple's storybook, of all those wonderful beach blanket movies of the 60s, had co-created and directed the Patty Duke show, had a kind of a mental breakdown and was now back on the West Coast. Patty Duke was East Coast with his new wife, Elizabeth Montgomery. And like, what do we do next? So when Tammy passed on this, her agent sent it to Liz. She liked it. She thought it was charming. She thought it would give her a chance to do some comedy because most of Liz's career had been really heavy duty drama on live television in the films she did. She had just done, done uh, Johnny Cool, which is 
almost a film noir murder thing that Bill Asher directed. It's how they met. She wanted to have some fun. So Bill read this script and didn't like it. And rather than saying we pass, rather than hiring other people, rather than spending money that was not yet in their pockets, Bill sat down and retooled the show himself. It was Bill who came up with the idea that all the female characters' names end in a vowel. Samantha and Dora, Tabitha and Chantra, Hagatha. That was all Bill Asher's idea. He felt if the show was a little too much of them reciting spells out loud all the time, the audience would get bored. He wanted Elizabeth to do something physical to manifest the magic. This is not in the original thing that Saul Sachs wrote. And they were having trouble coming up with it. And because they were having trouble, Liz was deep in thought. And she was standing at the bar of their Malibu house. And when Elizabeth Montgomery was deep in thought, sussing something out, as they say in England, she would make this gesture. It didn't, it wasn't about her nose. It was about her upper lip and her upper lip. And we're recording this on video for our sakes. You're hearing this verbally. You can't see what I'm doing, but she would move her lip back and forth while she thought. So her face kind of looked like a rabbit. And Bill said, that's it. And Liz says, that's what? He said, that, that thing you do when you're thinking, that's the thing Samantha should do when she wants to manifest magic. And she didn't know what he was talking about. And he put up a mirror. He said, think about something deeply. And, and, and all of a sudden, there, he said, that, that thing you just did. <laughs> so that was Bill's idea. A lot of the casting was Bill's idea. Uh, they did not know who they could get for Endora. Who can they get that would be so nasty and yet lovable? Where do you find someone, an actor of that caliber? And Liz ran into Agnes Moorhead in a department store in Beverly Hills. And she said, you, we need you for the show. Agnes wanted no part of this. And to Agnes, this whole idea seemed so stupid but she said, you know what? I'll sign up for it. This is never going to sell. I'll make some easy money this way. <laughs> a lot of people in that moment of time did not understand what was happening to television. So now we got to take off our magic hats and put on our thinking caps because a lot was happening and was just about to happen in this country. We had a young president. We had a Cuban missile crisis. We had threats from the Soviet Union. We were already starting to get involved in Vietnam. The civil rights movement was getting unfortunately ugly. And it should have gotten ugly because our, our African-American brothers and sisters needed to stand up for themselves. The role of women in the world was changing. They were starting to go to work. And our sitcoms couldn't reflect that. So... Mr. Ed, a talking horse, my favorite Martian, a Martian with magical powers who comes down to earth, the Munsters, the Adams family, ghouls who live down the street from you. This was becoming my, my, my living doll, 
Julie Newmar as a robot who is super sexy. So we have all of these fantasy shows. Bewitched is another one. Nobody could have known Bewitched would be the, the flagship of the fantasy shows. It's the one that was probably the best produced, best acted, best written, and it certainly lasted longer than any of them. The entire genre came and went and Bewitched was still on the air. So Agnes could not have known she was stepping into a cultural phenomenon. And she did not like doing the show, but she had a contract and she had to be with it. So they're, they're, they're doing all this wonderful casting. Liz is pregnant. They know that they'll do the pilot now. She'll have the baby and they'll, they'll, they'll come back to it after she's had given birth. So a lot is going on. And this is, is what Bewitched starts to become. They go to do the pilot and President Kennedy is assassinated. And it hurts like it hurt everybody else who was alive back then. But it especially hurts because one of Bill Asher's best friends is Peter Lawford, brother-in-law of the president. Mm -hmm. The Lawfords and the Ashers had adjoining Malibu beach houses. They were next to our neighbors and... Someday we'll talk about what happened the last day of Marilyn Monroe's life because Peter and Bill were involved with it. So it's a teaser for another episode coming up down the line. So a lot is happening all at once here. Bewitched, they, they, they did, they produced a great pilot and everybody in it was wonderful. Producing the pilot, however, was not fun. Because, and I'm saying this up front, Chris York is a friend of mine. I am not disparaging anybody here. I'm telling you how it was, and I am not blaming anybody. For those of you who don't know, when you do a situation comedy, whether it's in front of a live audience or like Bewitched was a one camera show, it was shot like a film with a laugh track mostly because they couldn't possibly do all those magic tricks and make them look believable in front of a live audience. They needed studio magic and camera tricks to make all that stuff happen. But irrespective which type of show it is, you sit down around a great big conference table, you read through the script, you read it out loud to see how it sounds coming out of other people's mouths, you make some changes, you see some jokes that don't work, you see some opportunities for new jokes that might work, and you begin to put the show on its feet, rehearsing it before you actually go into the sound stage and shoot it. So the day comes for this to happen. Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. There aren't a lot of actors involved in the pilot. Elizabeth Montgomery playing Samantha. And we have, um, and Dora is already cast by Agnes Moorhead. They had gone through every man in Hollywood to play Darren. It had come down to two men, Dick York and Dick Sargent. Liz liked Dick better. Dick Which York. Dick? Dick York better. Yes, I, as I was saying it, I realized not only did I need to make myself clearer, but there were 17 dirty jokes attached to that sentence I just said. And we're not going to say any of them, no matter how much Cindy laughs at me. 
That's priceless. Okay. Dick York had been a wonderful television actor. He had been all over television. Twilight Zone and Alfred Hitchcock Presents and live TV. Uh, He'd done some serious, serious film drama, appearing in some really major films. Dick was handsome goofy. He was goofy looking, but he was handsome. He was uh, trim, but not muscular. He was able to do real drama and very off the wall comedy. He was very, very talented man. And that's what Liz liked about him because they had to make Taryn likable because just like Andorra, Darren can be a pain in the neck. Darren is intractable. Darren is stubborn. Darren is square. You can cut your fingers on him. The character (laughs) had to be also likable. You had to see what it was Samantha saw in him to make all of this work. This is a lot of dynamics of characters. So they hired Dick York. 10 o'clock rolls around. Everyone's sipping on their coffee. There's no Dick York. They wait and wait. It's almost lunchtime. And Bill Asher calls the front gate gate at Columbia Studios. Hey, when Dick York comes in the lot, would you please let me know? They said, Mr. Asher, he got here two hours ago. And, And Bill Asher said to me, at that moment, I knew we were in trouble. Bill went out to the parking lot and found Dick York unconscious, sitting in his car. Not unconscious like he's passed out exactly, but asleep. And Bill rouses him and Dick apologizes and said, oh, Bill, I hurt my back. I'm taking pain medications because of my back. This is temporary, but this is what the pills do to me. And that sentence has been said by about 50 million drug addicts worldwide. It's only temporary. I need the pills because of the pain. Keep that in your head. So they are shooting stuff. They've already shot some things around him. They've shot some things without Liz. They've done some third unit stuff from the outside because they want to keep costs down. They have to be in television. It has to be quick, 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 quick. You don't have time to linger. Time is money. But Bill knew this was going to be a problem. I'm Cindy Verbalin, along with Ray Carr and star of our show, Jeffrey Mark, on Hitting the Mark. And this week, we are talking about the show Bewitched. 